Hello, everybody. It's Leslie Jane Seymour. I'm the founder of Covey Club, and I'm also the founder of this podcast, Reinvent Yourself. I have such an amazing story for you today, a discussion with Rita Wilkins. She runs something called Design Services LTD, but that's not why we're talking to her today. She happens to be an interior designer, but the most interesting thing she has done is she is a right-sizer of your life. Yes, she is also a downsizer, meaning that she has really turned her life upside down by moving from a 5,000-square-foot home into an 867-square-foot apartment. You say, that can't be done. I can't get rid of all my stuff, but it can be. And she talks about how you get more time, more money, more freedom by doing that, um, and what led her to this revelation. And remember, she was in the design business. And she had 11 closets of clothes and nine rolling racks that she got rid of. And she's happier and she's traveling and she's enjoying her life and she's meeting more people and connecting more often. And I think that's what we're all after. So I'm really excited to bring to you Rita Wilkins and we are just going to have this fantastic talk about how to change whatever it is that you don't need in your life, how to get rid of it. And you can start today. So good morning, Rita. How are you? <laughs> good morning. I'm so glad to be here. And, and it's just, you know, great to be with women who are learning and growing, isn't it? I love it. That's mm -hmm. my whole thing. We call ourselves lifelong learners, and you mm -hmm. are obviously a lifelong learner. I love your TED Talk. Everybody will have to see it. <laughs> and um, I am just so intrigued. Let's start by talking about those 11 closets of clothes <laughs> that you had <laughs> and a trip to Senegal that changed everything. And, and why I'm so interested is you have to understand I have closets worth of clothes. Some I've cl cleaned out, but having been a fashion, um, you know, an editor-in-chief of a fashion magazine, I had so much clothing and my life has changed so much now. I've got racks in my daughter's old room that I'm waiting for the real reel to come in and pick through. And I've already sold thousands of dollars worth of stuff. But for the average That's person, awesome. people collect this stuff and we think it's going to bring us happiness and it doesn't necessarily. And that's kind of what your Zen is about to start with. So let's start there. Exactly. So yeah, I actually started out my TED Talks with a confession and, um, and, and, and being Catholic and going to confession, it's like, okay, well, I've got to say this and then, you know, I'll be free. And that's exactly what happened. So I actually had 11 closets and nine rolling racks. Nine but, um, rolling racks on top of that. <laughs> okay. I yeah. think, wait a minute, were you a fashion editor in your previous life? <laughs> No, I just, I'll, I'll tell you, I bought clothes just because there was a big gap in my life and I was lonely and I was filling it with buying stuff mm. and, and it just didn't work. But, but the, the impetus for that really was, um, I, I've actually been an interior designer, interior architect all of my life. And of course I'm in a world of beautiful stuff, Right. but my younger son invited me to um, go to Senegal to visit him when he was in the Peace Corps, this is about eight years ago. And for one month, I lived in his tiny little hut in this beautiful little village. 
And that particular trip changed my life. So if anyone has a moment where you could honestly say, my life was this way, and then because of X, it changed, that was my moment. And as we um, arrived in a village after this incredible um, 24 hour journey um, via every mode of transportation, which was back of pickup trucks and back of motorbikes. And, you know, we had um, in the pickup truck, we had goats and all kinds of stuff with us. But we arrived in this village. And as I arrived, the village elder handed me a live chicken. Now, I had never held a live chicken before, but as it was squawking in my hand, my heart was immediately um, warmed by the fact that I knew how much that little chicken meant to them. And then that evening, my son's African mother prepared this absolutely exquisite dinner, probably the best dinner I've had in my life, that include, and her, her kitchen table was the ground. And, mm -hmm. and that little chicken topped all these beautiful grains and vegetables. And as I looked mm -hmm. around the circle by the firelight, the beautiful smiles and the beautiful dress and everything. Now, what inspired me was, and, and as we were sitting there, that mother pushed the better part of that chicken towards my son and me. And mm. it was that particular moment I realized these people have nothing, but they're mm. happy. Mm -hmm. And all I remember saying when I got back on that plane, I want that. And mm. I had no idea how to get that. That wasn't the world that I came from. But I, mm -hmm. the experience of people having nothing but being happy was a seed that was planted. Mm -hmm. So when I arrived home in my 5,000 square foot home, I was single. I just looked around and nothing looked the same to me. Wow. And then the journey to living with less did take a couple of years for me to really discern, why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling this discontent with all this beautiful stuff? Of course, I continued to buy more during that time. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but one day I just woke up and I said, you know, I know what it is. I, I want to live with less. I don't need all of this stuff to make me happy. So it was actually at a Christmas party in my home when a gentleman said, Rita, how much longer are you going to live in this house by yourself? And out of my mouth came words that I, I didn't even know they were coming out this I would I wanted to live in a tiny apartment in Philadelphia and you know that's what I would be doing within the next year well as you know you say something and then then you do something and mm -hmm. so I created that I would live in my tiny little jewel box apartment here in Philadelphia so this is two years ago my experience of living with less abundantly with less I've never been happier and how big is your now your home now? <laughs> it's 867 square feet. <laughs> wow. And so I gave away 95% of what I once owned to people who need, needed it or wanted it. And I've never been happier. So that's what I speak about around the country. It's what my book is about, Downsize Your Life and Upgrade Your Lifestyles. You know, it's how to have more time, money, and freedom to pursue what really matters to you. And talk about that, what you get when you give up this stuff. And then we'll talk about the, the merchants of stuff and what that means. But talk sure. about my time, sure. money, and freedom. What are you doing? Because when, when I listen to that, it's like, I think that's really what everybody's after, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I think so. I think so. Yeah. So first of all, time. You know, I, I have time to experience the city. I've never lived in a city before. So now I consider myself a city girl. I have time to travel. I have time to be with my family and friends. Um, and then money. I didn't realize that living in such a tiny place 
and I live in a very elegant area of Philadelphia, I save so much money because I don't have to write all those checks for all of the stuff to manage, manage all of the stuff that I had. And the reality was in my very large home, I really only used four rooms and being mm -hmm. a design designer, I know that that's the truth, you know, that mm -hmm. there are rooms that are just mostly used. So, so, you know, I have more money and the, and then the money I, you know, I, I'm using now for travel, for building new businesses. I have five new, um, five new businesses just since I started. And then the freedom, freedom is, is something I guess I've never really understood because, you know, as busy women, we're always doing stuff. Yes, yes. And I, I realized, you know, that busyness is a badge that we Americans have put upon ourselves. Yes, yes. And as if that's a good thing. Well, I yeah. realize, you know, busyness is just, it's, it's a cover-up for why aren't you doing what you really want. So mm. really what happens when you can downsize your life and, and experience this upgraded lifestyle you really become aware of the fact that you have too much stuff that you're busy, your, you know, busyness is a badge. Um, and you become aware of, and, and this is all about self-awareness and taking mm -hmm. time for you to discern what matters most to you. You become aware of what are you yearning for? What is that gap that, that you really want? And to allow yourself to go there and to mm. dream. Mm. It's a very big um, part of uh, part of the journey is to what do I want more of, and then what do I want less of? And so, if you look at your life with two questions, um, you know, what do you yearn for hmm. and long for, and what are you dissatisfied with? Mm -hmm. So it's what you want more of, what you want less of. And what I realized is I want less stuff, so I can live more. And, and that, that stuff wasn't making me happy. So why would I want more of that? So then I started looking at what do I really want more of? And I wanted more time with family, friends. I wanted to continue to grow as a woman, as a business person, to travel, to do all of those things that we all want to do. But I realized by being so busy, by having so much stuff that I had to manage, I didn't have any time. I didn't have any money. And I certainly didn't have any freedom. So, so what kind mm -hmm. of, can you give me a list of, because I don't think people realize how much time and, and money they spend on their stuff. I mean, obviously the new thing that's happening is um, I live in a very small town in Westchester and one of the big new buildings is a storage place. Yes. And all these people are storing their stuff and I'm like, oh my God, unless you're like just in between houses or something and you're putting your stuff in there the storage business is going gangbusters because we have, we, do, we have so much stuff, we have to put it in another place, we can't even enjoy it. Exactly. So if you think of that statement that you just made, how ridiculous it is that we Americans, 10% of us are spending on average $1,500 a, a year for storing our stuff. Wow. And, and the average American has over 300,000 items in their home. Is that right? Oh, and, wow. And when you think of how many rooms we really use, and the average is that we basically use four to possibly five rooms of our house. So however many rooms you have, think about that. What rooms am I really using? What do I really need? What do I really want? And what's waste? Um, and so when we spend that kind of money on more storage, 
<laughs> what it really starts to tell you when you start to be straight with yourself is why am I buying more stuff so I can store more stuff? I don't know if you're familiar with Joshua Becker. Um, he began a, a blog 10 years ago, and his inspiration was one beautiful Saturday afternoon. He was um, cleaning out his garage, and his five-year-old son kept coming in saying, Daddy, will you come out and play with me? And he kept saying, yeah, as soon as I finish the garage, meaning you know, organizing, cleaning, all of the stuff that he had been accumulating. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, he realized, wow, my little boy was wanting me to come out and play. And his neighbor said, well, if you didn't own so much stuff, you would have more time. Mm. I mean, that was probably a very large inspiration for me to um, start this journey of speaking around the country about the impact of living with less so you can live more. So what kind of stuff mm -hmm. do you, did you give up specifically? Let's be specific. So you don't have <laughs> any lawn furniture. You don't have any lawn mowers. You don't have like, what is the stuff you gave up that you just don't even care about anymore? Like, well, that I, we think I, is so vital. You know what I mean? Like, give us a list. <laughs> well, Okay, so I gave up doing my own lawn many years ago, but a snow shovel, right? And that's uh -huh. kind of funny because we were supposed to have had this major storm last night, which right now is beautiful and sunny. Right. But um, I don't have a shovel. I don't have exercise equipment in my apartment. I go mm -hmm. to the gym. I don't have um, nine closets or 11 rolling racks of clothing. I have two closets of clothes that fit me and I love wearing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have a pantry filled with um, big boxes of, um, you know, those, those big cereals and all of those, you know, 20, 20 things of laundry detergent. You know, when you go to those big box stores, you buy big stuff. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, I, I laugh at myself now thinking that I had all of that. Also, um, I had 16, well, I had set, four sets of 16 dinnerware mm -hmm. um, because I loved entertaining. And I realized, okay, well, I can entertain 12 in my tiny apartment. And, and so I now have four of each. And, and this is kind of a funny story, but I have a, a, a daughter-in-law who's Indian and she's about five feet tall. And the very first day of my downsizing, she said, okay, Rita, where do you want to start? And I said, well, let's start in the kitchen, which is really not the best place to start. But what did I know? Mm -hmm. So we opened one drawer and I had four sets of measuring spoons. Oh, and yeah. I remember her looking at me and saying, Rita, really? You need four sets of measuring spoons? Now, mind you, you know, younger people are certainly not accumulating what we accumulated. They don't want our stuff. They will never accumulate like we have. But mm -hmm. anyway, so immediately I now have one set of measuring spoons, which is all I really need. So mm -hmm. you, you kind of start to laugh at yourself and just say, did I really need all of that? So when I, when I did move here, it was a, a rainy day and I thought, oh, I should downsize just a little bit more. So I looked in my closets and I realized I have nine black dresses. Well, <laughs> okay. I, 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 I well, love how many, All right. Everybody out there, I want everybody to pause, <laughs> pause the recording now, pause the podcast. <laughs> so open your closet. We all have all those black dresses, right? And the fashion magazines insist that we need one more. Okay. <laughs> so the way that I downsize my black dresses is I, I was determined, okay, I don't need nine black dresses. This is not what I'm all about anymore. 
So I tried one on, I put jewelry on, makeup on, and then I started cleaning my apartment, which doesn't take very long to clean. But anyway, I, I would wear it and then I would look in the mirror and I'd say, nope, that doesn't look good. So that was gone. And then I'd try the next one on, try the next one on. So over the course of about an hour, I tried on all nine black dresses and I now have three. Wow. So anyway, and, and it is a muscle that you develop in giving up and letting go of those things that you think you need. You know, we make our stuff mean something. And, Did you and, have to go mm-hmm. through any kind of psychotherapy to get to this? Or was it literally <laughs> just listening to Joshua's blog? I mean, are you that susceptible? I mean, because that's a no. pretty big, that's a, that's a pretty big change. And ironically, of course, I'm sure it's not lost on you having been, you know, an interior design, right? Exactly. No, I was surrounded by beautiful stuff. And honestly, my apartment right now is so beautiful. I just love every single piece in here. Um, the process of giving up, there, there is no magic to it. It's, it is emotional. There are going to be certain things that will trigger you. And through the process of one year, which is how long it took me to downsize, um, and I, I built a team around it. We actually created a YouTube video called the ABCs of downsizing to help other people oh. go through the process of what I went through. Yeah. It's under Rita, Rita Wilkins. Okay. And you're welcome to go to that because I think it's a tool that as a designer, we do big buildings. And so you, you, you could obviously be overwhelmed by this. And I was sure. very overwhelmed by downsizing my house. So when I looked at January, and, and told myself to get over it and stop crying and stop being a baby about this. Let's just figure it out. Um, I, I created this kind of structure of ABC. So A is the stuff I knew I, went, I really wanted to take because it meant a lot to me or it, I knew it would look beautiful. And then the C list are those things that I was going to give away, donate, whatever. And then the B list was the hard part. For me, the B list was the, the clothing. That was, that was really hard for me to give up. But I created ways throughout the year to um, let go of. And so for me, one of the things that w- brought a lot of tears to my eyes was our father's alarm clock. Mm-hmm. And, and when I dug down in a box, um, my sister was helping me that weekend. Um, I, I opened a box I hadn't seen in 10 years, and it was our father's little mm-hmm. Timex alarm clock. Mm-hmm. And that particular alarm clock, it just made me cry because I could hear our father winding it because he was going to get up early and provide for our family. Mm-hmm. And I, it wasn't the clock at all. It was mm-hmm. the memory. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. letting go of these attachments to stuff. After I mm-hmm. cried, my sister said, you know, our dad wouldn't want us to keep the, the alarm clock. It went into Goodwill or something, but mm-hmm. we took a picture of it. We mm-hmm. created a Shutterfly book with stories oh. around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, around the clock or around certain stuff? Around the clock and and you know, quite a few other things in my house that meant a lot to me that I wasn't going to keep. Mm-hmm. So someday mm-hmm. when I'm a mm-hmm. grandmother, my, mm-hmm. my grandchildren will know, why did grandma cry about a clock? Mm-hmm. And, and, and they'll have the story behind it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so you do develop a muscle around giving up. And, and the, the key to me was always the vision of living with less. So I had a, a you know, higher quality of lifestyle. Um, and- 
What are the things that you do that you've done specifically, Rita, that you couldn't do before when you say you have more money now to travel? Like, so where have you mm-hmm. traveled to that you wanted to that you felt like, ah, oh, I just don't have the money for? So, sure, sure. Well, I, I, I travel every month to someplace I've never been. That's just my mantra. And so they could be mini trips. I usually take, you know, three or four days and, you know, go to a different city or go to a different or vis- revisiting. So last year was my year of reconnecting with old friends. So I went around the country and they would visit me or I would visit them. No matter what, it became a girls weekend. And so you can imagine a whole year of girls weekends. That was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, This year, what I've created as of July 1, I'm going on a round the world trip. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) Well, but this is also business. Um, I'm I'm creating it. My mantra is design the life you love. And so it's design and live the life you love. So as a designer, we've created um, workshops and blueprints for how can you design the life you love. So I, I want to become the face of lifestyle design for, for women, for, and particularly baby boomer women, because you know we're in that period of our lives where you know we might be able to downsize our, our work life. So as soon as I um, moved here, I remember sitting here thinking, you know, I really don't want to work five days. How could I figure this out that I could work three days and play four mm-hmm. and still make more money? Mm-hmm. So we did. We did. So by a lot of intentionality, um, we're on a 12-week year. So one week equals one month. There's high momentum. We're high performing. And we're all staying in our own lane. So we've actually created, we've been living this now for two years, working three days and playing four and still making more money. So we'll be applying that um, wherever I am in the world. And it's all about connecting other women to this idea that you can design and live the life you love because I want to be the face of that. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how this is all going to work, but I'm going to try it. And it's mm-hmm. all about learning, experiencing, and and sharing with others and inspiring them and inviting them to try whatever it is that scares the heck out of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and do you have a list of where you're going to be? Is it on your website? Where can people find where you're going to be to see if they're, are you going to be like in towns? Or are you going to be in Actually, Africa? Where are you going to be? <laughs> I'm going to start, and this is a little bit more of a bucket list. So this is a little bit about, you know, filling that bucket list, but it's really more about other people and inspiring them. I'm going to start in the south of France, Italy, and Spain for one month, one month, one month. And likely I will be in small villages and I would love to have kitchen table conversations with, with the villagers to find out what is their life like. That's how I grew up. I grew up in Germany. And so that was my lifestyle then. And I guess mm-hmm. I'm reinventing that now, mm-hmm. but to actually learn how they live and and be inspired by that and then share that with other people because, you know, we're, we're, we're different, but we're the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so just bringing that to, um, to our culture. And then also um, I will be then um, traveling to Africa. I will be um, likely in uh, West Africa, French, French speaking. And I don't know yet what I'll be doing there, but I will be doing something meaningful. So in my, my four days, I'll likely be volunteering or working with women, growing their businesses, that kind of thing. That really matters to me. Mm-hmm. And then likely I will go to India, Nepal, Israel, 
And that's all that I have in mind at the moment. And then after that, because it could be two years or three years, it could be the rest of my life that I'll do this. I just don't know. Um, so in, in other words, we, we almost want to create a, 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 a t TV show for inspiring, inspiring other, other women to do the same and to become fearless. Are you um, going to be filming as you go? When you say that, or you mean, mean, I, I would love to, um, and I'll, I'll be doing it on, you know, my own phone for sure. But mm. I, I would really love to have someone following us and creating a story around this because this is all about inviting people to live the life that they just dream of and they don't think mm -hmm. is possible. And so part of my mantra is, you know, you, you dream big and then mm -hmm. do it, mm -hmm. you know. So now getting rid of mm -hmm. all this stuff and mm -hmm. living with less. Can you do it? Because there's some people who are going to be listening here who are in their 40s and they still have little kids and they still mm -hmm. have a family mm -hmm. and sure. um, all of that. Is that really practical when you've still got all that mayhem and mess going on? Or do you think you really have to have moved over into the other part of mm -hmm. your life where, um, you know, you're not so beholden to children and all that stuff? I think that's a great question. And, and I think it's, it's a very meaningful question right now. So looking back in my, you know, 40s when, and 30s when I was raising my, my sons, did they really need all of that stuff that I thought they needed? Mm. Could I have said no? Mm. Could we have spent more time in conversation versus going to the store to buy more stuff? Mm. And the answer is absolutely. Um, you know, when you, when you think about the holidays and all of the presents and I was mm -hmm. the queen of buying as many presents as I could because I loved giving gifts. Mm -hmm. But at one point, one of my sisters said, Rita, you are, you're embarrassing us. And she said that quietly, but boy, did that ever land with me because I love giving. But on the other hand, they couldn't give back in the same way. And, mm -hmm. and that was when I started realizing, you know, do I really need to provide everyone with three presents that are beautifully wrapped? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that was a very large family. So that was a lot of presents. But I, I just realized there's so much more to life. And it's really about experiences, not stuff. So when I became a single mom of two young teenage boys, Christmas, looking towards Christmas that first year was scary. Mm -hmm. So we reinvented Christmas, meaning let's go on a trip. Let's plan this trip together. And we had so many wonderful memories now of, you know, trips to Europe, trips to, you know, go, go skiing, whatever we were doing. They, they were trips that we planned. We have those memories that will last a lifetime. Likely they will have no idea what I gave them in, mm -hmm. you know, 1987 mm -hmm. for Christmas. Wow. But they, they will remember that trip when we were whitewater rafting, you know. So in answer to your question, I think we just need to become aware of how much stuff we have and what matters most to us. You mm -hmm. know, so if, if we look at those two questions, we say, you know, I have, I, you know, and, and just start observing, look mm -hmm. at your, look at your garage and it's filled with, you know, golf clubs that are, you mm -hmm. know, old golf clubs mm -hmm. or bikes that are old bikes. Mm -hmm. Start, start weeding through those now. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and living with less, you, you start to be able to then see more clearly what matters more. 
So now, what do you what do you do if you can do that? But I'm just saying, if you happen to have a spouse, yeah, who, while you're getting rid of stuff, yeah, I put yeah. stuff out on the curve all the day. Not that this <laughs> is my spouse, but every day I come home and there's a box from Amazon because he's building a Buddhist library. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. wait a minute, we're downsizing. What are you going to do with this? <laughs> and I'm like putting stuff out and he's filling the tub up as it comes in. It's like, how do you get the other person to go with you? What do you do? Um, and that's, that's actually a, a wonderful question. And it's, and it's a big problem. I, I don't happen to have a spouse, so I don't have that problem. So, oh, um, okay. Solution number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not a spouse. That's right. No, but but I was just with my brother and his wife over the weekend, and they are going to be moving closer to their grandchildren, and they're going to be downsizing the family homestead. And my brother was a banker in Boston and very successful, and holds on to everything. And my sister-in-law is the exact opposite. So. Mm-hmm you know, being that intermediary, um, Mm -hmm. lovingly, um, Mm -hmm. just say, you know, what matters most to you? And, and if you go with that question, what matters Mm -hmm. most to you? Mm -hmm. Um, then you, he, he could start to see, well, I guess I do have to get rid of those old doors that I held on for whatever reason in the garage and all of those kinds of things. So with, with a, a spouse that is one way and a spouse that's the other way, it's more coming to a common ground about what are your goals for the future. So if you want to travel more, if you want to spend more time at the mm-hmm. kitchen table with your, with your children, if you want to have more time to take weekend bike rides, would you rather be cleaning your garage and organizing and managing and cleaning all of your stuff? Or would you rather be out hiking and biking with your family? Mm-hmm. And the more we accumulate, the less we can see clearly what matters most to us. So sometimes just a really hard conversation, like, mm-hmm. look, you know, we keep adding to these piles and we're spending all of our time organizing, cleaning, managing, and so forth. Um, you know, when there are collections of things like books, like you're talking mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. that may be something you just need to say, that's okay that matters to him a lot. Mm -hmm. So therefore, okay, you're going to have a lot of books. At some point he might say himself, it might come from within. I think I have too many. So there are certain battles you probably don't want to take on, but then the battles that you could, I would take those on and start being in alignment with what matters most to you. All right. I'm going to try that when we're done. We'll see what happens. (laughs) But the other thing I'm hearing from a lot of my friends who are now taking care of their parents' homes, they're yep. moving their parents out, their parents have passed away, and I'm getting these notes saying, please tell everybody, get rid of your stuff now. Don't do this to your kids. It's, yep. it's such a burden to have even our parents' stuff that exactly. we have to then get rid of and manage or, or the emotional burden of getting rid of our parents' stuff. And what a lot of people don't realize is that our kids don't want our stuff. That's what's such a a sort of eye-opener. We always wanted, or in general, we had the same kind of taste levels or interests or we were all aligned with what our parents had and people wanted antiques and they wanted all this stuff passed down. This new generation really 
it's very different taste level in many cases. Are you finding that? Absolutely. And, and the day that my adult sons, you know, when I said I was going to downsize, they basically said, mom, we do not want your stuff. And I said it way, like that. <laughs> oh yeah. Heard. Oh yeah. It, it, well, the way it landed, of course, you know, at, at that moment I was a little bit hurt, but then I said, you know, this is their reality. They were both living in major cities at the time and had tiny apartments and were choosing to live with less. Mm-hmm. So I thought, wow, they've already, they already figured this out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I did the opposite. So mm-hmm. what's happening right now is millennials do not and likely will not accumulate stuff like we baby boomers did. Mm-hmm. Um, we created the consumer society. We, we, we inherited things from our parents. We gratefully took things from our parents. Um, that generation is over. Mm-hmm. So our kids don't, not, they, they not only don't want our stuff, they don't want to deal with our stuff when we pass mm-hmm. on. Yes. So Laura Gilbert has written this fabulous book called The Stories We Leave Behind. It's a legacy-based approach to dealing with your stuff. Ooh, so okay. It's a fabulous book. I would highly recommend okay. it. And, and I think that it's a very compassionate way that we can say to our kids after we're gone, we love you because I dealt with all of my stuff before. So mm-hmm. those that are calling you and saying, you know, my parents have passed on now and look at, look what we have to deal with in addition to our own lives, our own mm-hmm. kids, our own stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really called the club sandwich generation. Yes. Yeah. I, where, yeah. I call mm-hmm. it the sandwich generation. Yep. Exactly. So you're dealing with your, your parents being older, aging, dying, and then their house, your house. And then sometimes as you get a little bit older, your kids return home. And mm-hmm. then you're also in the older bracket, you're, you're managing grandchildren sometimes mm-hmm. too. So um, one of um, Laura Gilbert's ways of doing this, and I think it's brilliant, is to um, make it fun. So in other words, like on a Saturday morning, you know, have coffee and donuts, whatever, invite your family in and walk through the home and literally have a list with you. And, and you might say, you know, Leslie, do you want this? And you say yes or no, or John, do you want this? Yes or no. And then you make a list. Okay. Leslie wants this, John wants Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. as you complete that process, Mm -hmm. what happens at the end of the day is you realize I am now free to let go of the things I thought my kids wanted. Mm. Oh, I see. So find out ahead of time. Exactly. And okay. so, so if you start this process early enough, uh-huh. you know, when you're starting, when you're starting to want to let go and, and mm-hmm. you know, young, young families aren't ready to let go necessarily, but um, we make ourselves believe that our kids will want this someday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the reality is then they tell you they don't want it at all. And then you go, what do I do with it? You know? So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind, of, it's kind of funny, but I love that process because I think it's very compassionate. And mm-hmm. so ba- baby boomers, more in my range, you know, they can then not feel guilty about giving away that, that desk that grandma mm-hmm. said, you know, was so valuable. You because give no it one away. wants it anyway. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. <laughs> well, Rita, absolutely amazing. We're at the end of our time here. I have learned so much. I can't <laughs> even believe what you've done. It is such an incredible inspiration. Um, I'm going to have to have an intervention with the other person in the house (laughs) shortly. 
Um, and um, I just want to thank you so, so much for being with us. And just tell everybody what the name of your site is or where they can find you and find out where you're going to be. Sure. Um, my company is Design Services LTD. And um, on the website, you'll see we do interior design and lifestyle design. And lifestyle design is what we've been talking about today. And okay. in April, I'll be having my book launch of Downsize Your Life, Upgrade Your Lifestyle. Um, awesome. That's yeah. this April 2019? Yes. Can yes. they pre-order mm -hmm. on Amazon? Um, not yet. I will be okay. set up for that within this next month. So yeah, okay. just be looking for that. And they can, they can email me and I'll be glad to put them on the list. Great. Well, so. thank you so much, Rita. You're a rock star. I'm going to come <laughs> visit you in Philadelphia and see love that, that place. And we'll, uh, we'll get to know each other better. So thank you so great. much for spending thank time with us today. Thank you. Have a great day. So thank you all for listening to Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour. I hope you enjoyed this discussion. If you liked Reinvent Yourself, please, please, please give us a review and give us five stars. That's the only other way that people find the podcast. There's a myriad podcasts out there today. And the only way that we get surfaced is by our reviews and by our stars. I hope that you'll join the Covey Club and I hope you'll like us on Facebook and on Instagram and on LinkedIn and stay with us and get involved and hear more of these great reinvention stories that I really do hope will change your life. And if you know anybody who is an incredible reinventor, please send them my way. You can reach me at L-E-S-L-E-Y at CubbyClub.com. Take care.